0: Blue wire.
1: Think about Lawrence, fires to the end zone, touchdown,
0: Alabama wins. Elliott touch the eye of this national championship win.
1: A deep throw by Lawrence,
0: a lot of contact, Justin Ross.
1: Welcome into episode 144 of Press Pass, Kayla Anderson alongside Joshua Perry for another week of college football talk, because every week there's always something that excites us, and this week, we'll get into it in a minute, but it was overtime, overtime that just didn't seem to ever end. And after nine overtimes did end, we're talking, of course, Penn State, Illinois. We'll get to that in a minute. But I did want to ask you, Joshua, before we get started, uh, how was the weekend of covering college football and anything else out of that overtime game that really shocked you?
0: Yeah, um, it was an interesting weekend. I don't think we had a ton of really interesting games. Uh, Purdue jumped into the top 25 and then, you know, they they ended up being Purdue a little bit and got pretty much handled by Wisconsin, who was a team that you felt like was dead in the water. And now they've got a little bit of life and they control their own destiny in the Big Ten West. Um, Outside of that, I mean, Ohio State's looking really good. We'll probably talk about them as we run down the, uh, the top 10 there. That overtime game, I'll save my thoughts for when we get into that segment because I've got a lot of them.
1: I'm sure you do, and that's why I put that as our first segment. But I did really quickly want to go over the new AP Top 25. We of course run down the top 10, so no change here with Georgia in first place with 63 uh, first place votes, followed by Cincinnati still there at two. Now Alabama did move up this week to the four or to the three spot. Excuse hmm. me. Uh, yeah, followed by Oklahoma, Ohio State, um, Michigan there at six, Oregon seven. Michigan State at 8, Iowa and Old Miss rounding out the top 10 this week, Joshua.
0: Yeah, and, um, you know, I feel like it's the same old story with Georgia. They were off this week, weren't they?
1: Yes, they were. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and so, you know, obviously there should be no movement there, and they've been uh, the team, it seems like, with the most consistency. Cincinnati got into a little bit of a game yeah. um, against Navy, and they survived, so I think they showed – Maybe some slight deficiencies, but the Bearcats still undefeated and playing good football now this mm-hmm. this Alabama thing really yeah. kind of digs at my my soul a little bit, and I'll explain why is Oklahoma one hundred percent one hundred percent is a fraud, and Thank their you. their last couple of performances definitely are not performances of the number three or even number four team in the country no but Alabama lost a game to a team that was unranked at the time in Texas A&M, and I'm still not convinced True. Texas A&M is any good, True. even though they're back in the rankings. And then they get into a game that I think was closer than the score indicates. Um,
1: in their game against
0: Tennessee, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they still move up a spot, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And now
0: here's me being a homer. My Buckeyes have yeah. been rolling, steamrolling people, and they haven't played anybody. But the games have not been close. And since the Oregon game, they're giving up less than 13 points a game. On the season, they're averaging nearly 50 points per contest. They are outpacing the second-place team in yards per play by the same margin between teams number two and number 33. Okay, so the, the difference between number one and number two It's the same difference between number two and number 33. Okay, So if anybody, I agree Oklahoma should fall, but if anybody should be moving up off of just beating people they're supposed to beat, I'd make a case for Ohio State. But you got Michigan out there, and they had a a solid performance against Northwestern. I got questions about how far that offense can really take them. Um, Oregon's the other team that I would stump for, even though they beat Ohio State, I would make a case that They are a one-loss team Mm -hmm. that really should be even deeper in the mix because they have a win versus a team like Ohio State, which people think is a very good football team. Um, Their loss stands out, and I don't know if they've been dominant in their other performances, but that win should definitely count for something, especially as a one-loss. And then, you know, the rest of the top 10 is the rest of the top 10.
1: Well, and some of the – The top ten here will get mixed around after this weekend. There's a couple matchups that I'm going to mention at the end of the show to get your thoughts on in the Big Big Ten, so that will be interesting. Um, So let's get into our first segment because there's so much to talk about with this Penn State Illinois game. So first of all, let's talk about the actual implications in this one, just in terms of you know Penn State rolling at the time there. It seemed that everything was, you know, coming together for them. I believe, um, you know, they got their quarterback back mm-hmm. um, and then this happened. So first yes. and foremost, what in that game did you see, or I should say not see from Penn state that even allowed this situation to happen?
0: Yeah. So it's interesting, right? Cause they're coming off of that loss uh, at Iowa, where a lot of people thought if their quarterback was fully healthy for the duration yeah. of that game, that they would have beaten Iowa. And mm-hmm. We can sit back and we can have that conversation. I'm a firm believer that you play the games for a reason, and they play out the way that they play out. You yeah. Know? So you gotta, your backups got to be able to come in when your team has a lead and make sure you don't lose the game. They didn't, and so they had the one loss coming into this Illinois game, coming off of a bye week. Uh, you felt like they would be able to steamroll this Illinois yeah. team that they were favored by, you know, 23 or 24 or whatever the case was, and then head into the Ohio State game with just the one blemish on right. their resume. Um, they were not good. And I'll go off. The first thing I'll say is Sean Clifford, Penn state starting quarterback, probably should have never played in the game. Um, yeah. He didn't look right.
1: Nope.
0: Um, and I personally wouldn't have believed it was necessary for him to play in the game, to actually win it, which now all of a sudden he played in the game and they still lost, but you look at their offensive output, 165 yards passing, is abysmal. They've been bad at running the football. They only had 62 yards on the ground in this game, which shows their deficiencies. They lost the penalty battle. They had seven penalties for 81 yards. Um, they didn't have very many first downs at all in the game. Um, they were bad on third down, just four for 17. It, it, they t- I mean, it's it's just, it wasn't very good football. They protected the football. It's probably the best thing that they did. Um, I haven't gotten to the deep dive study on Mm -hmm. Penn State's offense versus Illinois' defense. But what I did, what I did today was the deep dive study on the Illinois offense versus the Penn State defense because that is where I have the biggest bone to pick. Because there are people saying that Penn State did enough defensively that they should have been able to win that game. And holding your opponent to 10 points in regulation I would say is enough to win a football game if you're Penn State. Your offense mm-hmm. should be able to score more than 10 points in regulation. However, they gave up 357 <laughs> yards on the ground. Jeez. 357 wow. on the ground. Illinois was nine for 18 on third downs, 50%. And a big reason for that is they had what's called a power rush, meaning two yards or less to convert a third downer to score a touchdown. They were eight for eight in those situations. Over 50% of the yards that they accumulated in the game were on first down, which means that they were in second and third in favorable situations almost the entire game. They only punted it four times in the game. And this is with only, only completing passes of five yards or less. Jeez. Geez, right? And so then you start to ask, what happened to Penn State defensively? Yeah. Because this was a defense that people thought was one of the top in the Big Ten. Yes. There was no edge on the defense. So if if Illinois was running outside, there was nobody out there for Penn State to make a tackle. The D line was not getting very much pushed. They weren't in the backfield. They were getting knocked off of the line of scrimmage. And Illinois' offensive line was able to single block those guys a lot of times and get up to the linebackers, which the linebackers did not flow properly. And they did not get off of blocks very well. They missed a lot of tackles in the second and third levels of the defense. And the coaching adjustments were non-existent. Illinois came out in a number of situations where they had seven linemen on the field. Seven linemen on the field and no wide receivers. Just a running back, a couple of tight ends, and seven linemen on the football field. And Penn State, throughout the game, and I could understand if it was for a drive or two or three, I can understand even if it was the whole first half because he didn't have an answer. They played the whole game against the formation with seven offensive linemen. They only put 40 linemen on the football field. That is bad football.
1: Well, so to me, like this is just insane how, like you were saying, like no adjustments. So you obviously look to the coaching staff. And to me, I feel like there is other things going on that is you know outside noise or whatever is happening with this whole where's james franklin yep. going that's starting to cause disruption within that locker room within the coaching rooms what do you think i mean because this just seemed to come out of the blue out of, you know after they started strong after we yep. were thinking okay this is a really good penn state team and then it just has kind of digressed at a fast so, rate the
0: the interesting thing that people bring up is james franklin has said publicly, I will not comment on my coaching status, but he never said that I'm not interested in taking the jobs. He has said that he's talked to the guys in the locker room and they understand that he's committed to Penn State, but we don't know if that is a till the end of the season commitment or if this is a long-term commitment. I'm not here to speculate on that. Um, You know, that's that's not necessarily my position, Um, but I think that is unique, and I think it does open up some questions about where the locker room is. But I I also – it's interesting, though, for me as a former defender because Illinois has been bad at throwing the football all year. And um, they had – when you line up in the formations that they lined up in, they're not even trying to hide the fact of what they're doing. And I'm not exactly sure I saw the football awareness out of some of the players in situations to say, okay, like we are going to sell out on the run. And if they hit one over our heads, then it is what it is. And again, it goes to the defensive coaching staff as well. Like, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you put in some extra bigger bodies? It wasn't just the fact that they had 40 linemen on the field against seven offensive linemen. It was the fact that they were really only playing two linebackers and they're playing five defensive backs. Um, That is an issue. Like, you should at least have probably five defensive linemen and three linebackers on the field in that situation. It's like... Teams practice these goal line defenses. Right. And I know when you're in goal line defense, you probably only have a couple of calls where you got a zone call and you you got man-to-man. Well, I don't know why the hell you wouldn't run that. I, I can remember back to my time going off, but I, I, it just has to be said because yeah. I think people want to give the defense a pass and they want to put a lot of the blame on Penn State's offense, which you can place a ton of blame on them. But I just I cannot wrap my mind around this. Is We played uh, Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship when we won 59 to zero and they had a Heisman trophy uh, finalist at running back in Melvin Gordon, really good running back. He went over 400 yards in three quarters against Nebraska that year. Like he could hurt people. And we decided that we were going to play straight up man to man, the whole game, because we could get our safeties and our linebackers on the line of scrimmage. If we needed to, to match up body types and to match up personnel. And it gave us, it gave us the ability to be extremely aggressive. Like there's one man for every gap and you can just run and you can play and you can flow and Penn state wasn't even doing that. And that is where I asked the questions. Like, did they not even, and this is unfair because this is something that um, this is something that Illinois hadn't done, but like how hard did they really game plan or how hard were they coaching during the game? Did they just think that this was going to be a given? Um, And so that's kind of where I'm at on it. It's it is a it was an abomination, I think, on both sides of the football. But Mm -hmm. as I look as a defensive minded guy and I see that the personnel obviously presents a challenge. But when they got into regular formations with regular personnel, they were running ISO, zone, counter and power. Those are the most basic run plays that every team in the country runs. They could not fit them up properly. They could not get off of blocks and make tackles. It's a problem. And now they're getting ready to face an Ohio State team who has Travion Henderson, who's got the best average per run in the country. They've got Mayan Williams, who's finally back in the lineup, and he can damage you on the ground. They got Master T, who's going to get you some good yards, and a really good offensive line. What is this team going to look like against Ohio State and, and they're at a disadvantage, way bigger disadvantage compared to playing Illinois because Ohio State can throw the football. So they can't crowd the line of scrimmage and they can't bring their safeties into the box. They got to sit those guys back so they can guard against the wide receiver talent. That's where my mind is going right now. I thought this was going to be a really good game coming up and we'll get into the breakdown there. But there's some real issues.
1: Well, there is. And that's just, again, they're putting themselves in a really sticky situation right now. And I just think you know all around just the way that you cuz you looked at the offense you could clearly pick apart what they did there but like you said pointing out all the defensive flaws in that game versus Illinois lack of adjustment lack of effort maybe from <laughs> players but also you know coaching game plan even if they <laughs> tried to game plan for it yeah. it surely didn't look like it i mean I overall mean, it looked it just just like looked a like, lack of effort
0: it looked all like around. it looked like not a lot of people in that building probably took that game as seriously nope. as they needed to.
1: And that's a problem. In that, my eyes. It is.
0: And it, it happens to teams throughout the year where yeah. they lose a game that they absolutely have no business yep. losing. But yep. it, as I look at the way that the players were trying to get to the football, it looked like they, it was a little bit casual. I don't think that the game plan was being adjusted really on either side of the football. It's, it was, it was a top to bottom. We can go out here and just play our regular stuff and probably, Win and it might not be pretty, but we can get it done. And they didn't.
1: Well, I'll ask you some more about that matchup with Ohio State that's coming up this weekend in a minute. I did want to ask about yep. your thoughts when it comes to this new overtime rule because mm-hmm. it's really it, it took social media by storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, after this game. And if you didn't watch the game, this game went to nine overtimes. Yes, we are not joking. It's the longest college football game recorded. So here's the rules that were changed in 2021. So teams would be required to run a two-point conversion play after a touchdown when a game reaches a second overtime period. Previously, a two-point attempt was required after the third OT period. Mm -hmm. Also established in 2021, if the game reaches a third overtime, teams will run alternating two-point plays instead of starting um, another drive at the opponent's 25-yard line. So this is a change from the previous rule, which um, started to use two-point plays in the fifth overtime period. I know that's a lot to um, take in, but when it comes down to it, nine overtimes is a a lot. Um, And then, you know, I know people have issues then with the two-point conversion situation too. What are your thoughts on this new? Yeah, it's interesting
0: and, and you know, like you said, the longest game in FBS history going in nine overtimes. When you actually look at the the legit length of the game, it started at 12.06, it ended at 4.17 so you got four hours and 11 minutes of actual like gameplay and halftime whatever. It was a long day and um, the the point of the overtime rule was twofold. It was to ensure that a game would never reach this amount of overtimes and it was driven by player safety. And what we saw was the longest game ever going to nine overtimes because you had two offenses that couldn't muster up three damn yards yeah, to yeah. get into the end zone. Couldn't muster it up. And you also saw Illinois' backup quarterback um, break his wrist or break his arm or whatever the case was in one of the overtime periods. So it achieved neither goal, which is wild, wild to me. Mm-hmm. Um but I also thought that it was very exciting and it was very edge of your seat type stuff because of how mundane and how boring the actual regulation game was. I thought there was a ton of energy in this overtime period where the teams are going back and forth and, you know, the defenses are standing up and the coaching staffs are running trick plays and, you know, like it's, it's not supposed to be this way, but that's what it was. Um, Overall, I think it's flawed. I don't like how they get to pick the end zones and they're walking back and forth. It's stupid. But um, for as, like I said, as as awful of a game as it was (laughs) in regulation, um, it was, it was good to see kind of a little bit of a back and forth and some Uh excitement there toward the end.
1: Yeah. And that's the, that's the one thing that I think people did say. I think Chris Budden was on uh, the sidelines for that one. And she was, interviewing the other day on ESPN radio. And so she, they asked her the same question. Like, what did she think about this overtime rule? And her, she was actually there obviously. And so she was all caught. She was conflicted, right? Because she didn't like it for so many reasons because it, you know, it took that long. But then again, it was pretty exciting. Like it ended up being very interesting in the end. So I think it has a lot of people torn. I just will be interested to see how long it lasts without, you know,
0: Rules committee is pages. going to be back at yeah. it this off season for they sure. Are.
1: They are. Yeah. They for sure are. Let's move on to something that I found extremely interesting this past weekend. So we had already learned about the benching of Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma. Benched him a couple weeks ago. Um, and so now it's a situation where you've got a guy that was coming in as one of the Heisman favorites. He's now sitting on the bench at Oklahoma. What he decides to do, I do not know. Um,
0: you know exactly what he's going to do.
1: <laughs> <the> transfer portal. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, when are we going to hear this? Yeah, I'm just waiting for the, the day that this is going to happen. So did you
0: up. see the little drama there? I'm going to jump in. No, um, go for it. He changed his Instagram oh, did. bio. Yes. Yeah. And then he changed it right back. So he took out. Oklahoma quarterback for like maybe an hour or so. And yes. then he put it right back in, but he had Twitter buzzing.
1: Oh, he did. I did hear about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, then later on Saturday, we find out in the Clemson game. Oh my God. Clemson is so bad. Um, we find <laughs> out, in, we find out in the Clemson game that there, they benched uh, DJ Uyunglele in that second half. And I'm sitting here, I read a tweet, and I'm. it's registering my brain that college football coming into the season, these were mm-hmm. two of what were expected to be the best QBs, mm-hmm. and they are now benched. Mm-hmm. Heisman hopefuls, now benched. To me, it's almost mind-boggling. I, I, I just chuckled, though. I chuckled because I was like, how is this happening?
0: So remember when we talked about Rattler a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, and yeah. I, I brought up the the comment about name, image, and likeness in terms of some of the more um, maybe national, some of the higher price tag deals. And he was a guy who was receiving um, a lot of money from name, image, and likeness. And I I can understand why somebody would want to hitch their wagon to Oklahoma quarterback. But I also talked about the caution that some of these brands who are spending a lot of money would need to have over a college quarterback because these are not Known commodities like a Patrick Mahomes or a Tom Brady in the NFL. And here's another guy, DJ Uyungalale, was doing um, Dr. Pepper. I know. I know. You know, so like here's another situation where a national brand is probably feeling like they got burned a little bit. And it's not the kid's fault. Like, take the freaking money. But it's a tough situation. I never expected him to be as bad as he is right now. I thought. DJ? Yes when he came in against Notre Dame a year ago that he did a good job in that game, I thought there was a ton of upside, a big athlete, um, you know, somebody obviously coming from a lineage of quarterbacks at Clemson, you felt like he was going to be developed. Here's the thing that stands out to me is he's not nearly as good as we anticipated, but he doesn't have the supporting cast. He doesn't have the elite running back and he doesn't have the elite wide receiver talent And the offensive line. There is abysmal. They are not a good unit. And I think it exposes two things. And this goes back to last year. It, we, when we were doing shows leading up to the semifinal of Ohio State versus Clemson, I made the comment numerous times that Clemson did not have the elite athletes that Ohio State had.
1: Oh, and yeah.
0: we can pull up the receipts on that. Yeah. You remember me no, saying
1: that? You, absolutely.
0: 100%. This is 100% showing right now. They don't yeah. have the elite athletes. But what it's really exposing... Is that Dabo probably ain't as smart as everybody thought? Nope. Tony Elliott ain't as smart as everybody thought, and Brent Venables can't call it like everybody thought he could call it.
1: Yeah, and the good point, and here's the thing: let's let's really start to keep our eye on Clemson just in terms of what happens after this season. Like, I understand not every team is going to be Alabama, and right. and really Ohio State in a way too. And Clemson had had seemed to be this team that was just going to continue to dominate their conference year after year, play in the college football playoff. I mean, we all thought DJ Uyunglele was going to come in there, maybe not be great from the start, but get to that point where he was going to get comfortable with the season. It's not people, like that.
0: There were people that thought that he was a more skilled and more talented quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. National analysts that felt that way.
1: Oh, uh, well, get... I'm. Let me tell you one thing right here. No offense, because there's a lot of good national amp- analysts, but Joshua, how some people have jobs in this business, saying what they say, well, with little to no knowledge when it comes to other things besides the one thing they focus on, yeah, or the one tough. or two teams, It's it's ridiculous, and it like. Is it's, 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 it's mind boggling to me that they can even go on there and say things and then just get no repercussion for just being wrong all the time. And again, this is not every national analyst, but there's a lot of them that that have done this.
0: We've talked about this because I come on the show and I say when I'm wrong.
1: Well, and you know, you do your research. (laughs) I do do you research. And And if you don't do your research, you don't go into that subject.
0: And that's why i I'm willing to admit when I get it wrong, because I feel like I I do the research and sometimes it's just it it turns out to be something totally different. And I'll admit that I I feel like I'm not wrong. uh, Like every week I'm coming on here apologizing for something. But when I get it wrong, I will. I think that there are a number of guys and this is not to disparage anybody, point any fingers at any direct person. But I see some cats who you feel like um, if it's salacious, it sells, which is true. And that they really lean into that. And then other cats who you feel like they, they aren't football junkies. Right. And again, if it works, it works. If it makes dollars, it makes sense. However, I thought it would be an outlandish statement to say that anybody was going to be a more transcendent quarterback than Trevor Lawrence in his first season running the offense because Trevor yeah. did some things that we hadn't seen in college football before. No, absolutely. Um, and those are the type of things where I kind of side-eye and I'm like, all right, are we saying this because we believe it? Or are we saying this because we know that uh, it's yeah. it's going to make waves? And then if yeah. you're right, you can sit back and be like, well, I told you so.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think some of the times that is th- that is kind of what the national. Uh, media does is it's just kind of stirring the pot in a lot of ways now it's not really giving true facts or true opinions it's kind of like how can we get this side to come to us and sensationalize things it's just that's the way it is nowadays it's just it's annoying to me somebody who you know I believe in things like do your research you know say the things that are on your mind be transparent maybe not everyone's gonna love your opinion all the time maybe people love your opinion but just be you
0: yeah right? I mean and if yeah. you if you believe it say it but if you if you don't believe it I'm not exactly sure it needs to be said
1: yeah well I, I believe there's a lot of people who are saying things they don't believe but anyway along I, I went off on a tangent I know there.
0: so yeah. I'll ask the question to you real quick um if you're Clemson what do you do yeah. with DJ because I do think he's a very talented yeah. player but how do you get him better I, I, now yeah. I'll start off by saying, Part of getting him better is putting better pieces around him. But as a I player, agree. how do you manage the psyche of that quarterback? Like, Kayla, you're the coach. What are you doing?
1: Yeah, well, here's the thing that I am I am going to be curious about because you're talking about two quarterbacks. Now, there are other quarterbacks who had a lot of hype going into the season. Matt Corral continues to do his thing. Sam Howell's this. one
0: who's kind Sam of been Howell. up and down
1: he's been up and down but these are all guys who are now on these NIL deals right I mean there there's a lot more that goes into being a college quarterback now on top of what it already was which is pressure to the extreme in Mm -hmm. my opinion in some of these big in some of these big programs so I do wonder like how much other stuff goes on now with some of these guys who are taking over programs or who are expected to be QB1 and take their teams all the way I think Part of it might be a mental thing, a little bit. Um, and then I think part of it is just the development at some of these places. Now, Oklahoma has been known for developing its quarterbacks.
0: Well, and so, Clemson recently, too.
1: Yeah, and so that's why it's a little bit shocking to me that these two guys um, have been benched. So that's why it makes me think it maybe it is more of a mental thing, a confidence thing. Um, yeah,
0: I think that position is really mental.
1: I, It is. It is. And so for me, I think as a coach, the first thing I'm going to do is let's get, let's, let's sit down. Let's get whatever is in your mind or what's, you know, what's lacking in confidence or lacking in, um, you know, whatever it is mentally. Let's figure out if that's a problem first. Um, And then from there, you know, if it is not that, then we need to figure out, you know, what on the field is not, what are, what's not comprehending? What, what are we doing in practice that's not, Resignating in games sure well it's not translating but it's got to be like a thing where you're really reaching out and you're really putting in the time to try to figure it out because you can't just give up on a guy like dj ui uncle in i my agree. Opinion. yeah
0: and you know what it, it, it's interesting right because i don't know about rattler's situation necessarily but for dj i don't think it's for a lack of working and a lack of studying and a lack of trying because you right. heard all of his coaches and teammates talk about that but you also saw the clip of him in the stadium after the game uh, a couple weeks ago, just yeah. working some of the skills and working, you know, some of his drops and um all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, it's, it's hard when you see a cat working that hard yeah. for me, at least to say, okay, we got to throw him away because you know, he wants to get there. Oh yeah. So it's about finding out what exactly that, that block is and it's probably yeah. something upstairs where maybe the moment kind of arrived for him uh, a little bit, maybe is too big or too fast. Yep. Um, but hopefully it's something that he can manage.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think he'll have a chance to do that. This season is not, it, it's not presented great opportunities because once your team starts losing, I feel like then you lose your confidence because everything comes back to the quarterback.
0: Yeah. I really do. And think he's that's a national true. name too. So yeah. like everything media wise, like we're talking yep. about him. Everybody's talking about him.
1: Exactly. Um, Okay, so before we wrap things up here, I did want to ask about some Big Ten matchups this weekend. Okay, Mm -hmm. so first and foremost, we had mentioned Michigan so much this year, more than I wanted to. Um, Giving credit for Harbaugh more than I wanted to, but you know what? It is what it is, and I have to say the program has taken a step forward this season, and there has been some good things, but... Michigan is going to face a extremely difficult uh, challenge here a different a diff- difficult opponent I should say in Michigan state a team mm-hmm. that has really surprised a lot of college football fans this, this year.
0: Yes, and it's going to be an interesting one cuz I you know I look up some of the stats on these teams and and it's it's really interesting trying to compare because Michigan statistically looks really good. I would say that their level of competition hasn't been great, but they've, for the most part, done what they need to do. Um, you look at Michigan State, and, and some of the stats aren't as sexy, but mm-hmm. I also think they're doing more with less, and the stats are a little bit misleading. Like, you look at Michigan State, for example, and if you're going on their total defense numbers, in terms of yards per game, they're bad. They're second to last in the conference in total defense and yards per game at uh, 404. But you look at yards per play, and they're number five in the conference just behind Michigan at 4.85. Michigan's at 4.82. And it's because Michigan State's defense has played more snaps than any other team in the country. Their guys are on the field constantly. And so there's more opportunities for teams to rack up yards on a Michigan State defense. That, to me, is something that's really interesting because this might be a game where if you're Michigan State, you feel comfortable because Michigan's offense is a run-the-ball, not-very-explosive type unit. So maybe you're not on the field nearly as much. Maybe you don't have to worry about some of those opportunities in terms of shots down the field, in in terms of the actual length of the game, because Michigan's going to chew up the clock. Right Now, you you flip it over to uh, scoring offense. And Michigan is at 37.7 points a game. Michigan State is at 34.3 points per game. And what's interesting about that is I think for Michigan's offense, they're very predicated off of running the football really hard. And then they will take advantage of using their tight ends and their running backs in space in the pass game. They're not explosive downfield. With Michigan State, they become really hard to defend. And I think that they can, I think this will be Michigan's biggest challenge in terms of wide receiver skill. But they have a quarterback who doesn't really turn the football over. They've got a running back who is super, super duper. And they've got two wide receivers who I think can give Michigan issues in the secondary. And so for me, I think this one is going to be a close game because they're two very good teams. But I also think we're going to learn a lot. Is Michigan State more than an overachiever who is doing things ahead of schedule. And is Michigan maybe a team that isn't as well-rounded as we believe? Only time will tell. But I think this is going to be a huge game just in terms of what we can learn about those two teams in the Big Ten East because I think both of them are very good football teams, but I think both of them also have some flaws that might be exposed this weekend.
1: Sure, and that's a good point. I just hope, really, for a really good football game. That's what I hope for. Right, because, right. if
0: it's not, I'm gonna be right?
1: pissed. I know, because I don't want to see one or the other really get blown out. Because a, I don't want to do that to the Big Ten. I want right. the Big Ten to to have a game like this that's going to go down to the wire. That's that's really close, um, especially after that Penn State loss, right? Just because you don't you don't want games like this to be blowouts,
0: right? I so. agree.
1: Um, the other game, funny that you say, uh, Penn State and uh, your Oklahoma or your Oklahoma, your Ohio State Buckeyes—they're—they're they're playing this weekend. So get there ready. Are. Here's the one thing I ask: yes. coming off of that upsetting loss to Illinois, yep. can this Penn State team get up for a game like this? Could this be a tricky spot for Ohio State at all, or do you think Penn State is pretty much? Given
0: up. I don't know if it's Penn State's given up versus Ohio State is too good. Yeah. Um, I think if even on Penn State's best day as of right now, it would it would still be a battle for them to beat Ohio State the way that Ohio State's playing.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask you.
0: So Ohio State, just going through some stats real quick, they've got 46 touchdowns through seven games, the second highest in the Big Ten in terms of (laughs) touchdowns is uh, Nebraska with 33. They've played eight games. For teams that have played seven games, it's Michigan with 32. So it's a chasm. Like the offense is just totally different. Like I said, almost 50 points per game. So this is the interesting part about it, though. I I spent so much time early in this show ragging on Penn State's defense. But I'm also a firm believer that Penn State defensively is probably the best constructed unit out of all of them in the Big Ten to compete with a team like Ohio state because of the athleticism that they have on the second and third levels where they have defensive backs that I think can run with the guys at Ohio state. And they've done a really good job this year. Um, And I also think that their linebackers are athletic. Um, But if, if I'm Ohio state and I watched what happened a week ago to Penn state, I'm, I'm hitting with a heavy dose of run the football until they decide that they're going to try to stop the run, and then once they do that, I'm hitting them over the top. Boom! And I think that's the game plan right there. So absolutely,
1: so be interesting. It. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to watch that one too. I this, those were really I were I was going through the matchups for week nine, and yeah. there weren't that many great matchups. So I was really excited to see at least the Big Ten had some good games on the slate.
0: Yeah, they've got um, Iowa and Wisconsin as well.
1: Yeah, no, and I know with 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 Wisconsin. At one point, maybe you thought they were dead in the water, but yeah,
0: they um, got a little life, and they got
1: a little life. You know,
0: Iowa's obviously still alive in the West, even with their uh, with their loss to Purdue. Right. So this one's a game that has some implications because you know Wisconsin loses it and they're you know pretty much out of it. Uh, Iowa stays in it with the win, and if Iowa loses this one, I don't see a path for them, and Wisconsin's yeah. still alive there. So.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I was gonna update you with just a quick thought before we we head out in this episode. But so I'm watching my Cougs play this weekend because I've made it a point to um, watch them every weekend, right? (laughs) And yeah, well, first and foremost, uh, I I was interested to see what would happen in this game because. They're coming off of of an emotional week. They lose their coach. They lose four assistants. Um, It's just... It's a crazy. It's a crazy situation there. And they're playing a BYU team that, mind you, has played three Pac-12 teams already this season. Mm -hmm. And has beat all of them. Mm -hmm. This is their fourth Pac-12 team that they were playing this Saturday. They will also play USC this season. So... So
0: why aren't they just in the Pac-12?
1: Okay. So that's my question. So... The game actually was a really good game, and um, they, they kept it close. I mean, it was, a, it was a battle. They ended up losing, Washington State did, and BYU wins another one uh, against the Pac-12 school. So my question is, BYU has built a pretty – I mean, they've always had somewhat decent football there, but mm-hmm. they've p- built a, quite a nice little program. And you wonder, with the Pac-12 wanting to take a step forward, Wanting to, you know, get more competition within the conference. Maybe more eyes on certain programs. In my opinion, adding BYU is a good start to just strengthening the conference. Because BYU is really proving to be a pretty good program.
0: Yeah, the issue though is uh, is BYU decided they wanted to go Big 12 route. And um, I think that it it's an issue for a number of reasons. Number one, geographically, you feel like it makes more sense with the, the Pac-12's footprint. And then second off, you you read right off their schedule. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, I feel like that's a no brainer. Um, I also believe that the Pac-12 per usual was a little bit late to that party because when the rumbling started and they were talking about what a team like Houston or UCF or Cincinnati would do, BYU was in that conversation as an independent yeah. And if I were the Pac-12, I would have found a way to try to make that happen, maybe with the addition of another school. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. But then, yeah. you know, clearly, again, this is why the Pac-12 continues, and that's
0: to, why they are who they are.
1: Yeah, I, it just it's so frustrating because. It's this is almost like hey, it's happening, but be- like right before your eyes, a team that's coming in and beating Pac-12 teams that could be an addition, a, a positive addition to the conference, and you let it slip slip through your fingers. Um, so I just thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, so. I think that would have been big for a number of reasons. <laughs> um, like I mentioned, the geography of it. I think there's some natural games that make sense in terms of a rivalry.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Utah. But
0: exactly. But also, if we're talking money, BYU. Yep. yep. I mean, there's there's some money flowing through that
1: school. They have their own actual broadcasts. To tell you the yeah.
0: truth. So, I'm 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 not sure how many people would be um, necessarily aware of the type of money that some members of the Mormon Church have. Um,
1: <laughs> but
0: no, I'm I'm not even trying to be funny. Like,
1: oh, I know.
0: This they would come and it's not like they're coming as a, a bottom theater nope. who is just looking for a payday like they're coming to the table no. as a school that With would have money. a lot to offer I and they're coming not necessarily because they need to financially it's because it makes sense. Yeah, I would have gone yeah. after it.
1: Me too. But again, we'll see what the Pac-12 decides to do. Moving forward. Nothing. They got uh, to do something. I'm telling you,
0: it'll be nothing.
1: Don't waste George K- – what is it, Kielikov? K- 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 I Cle- can never Cle- say Cle- that. Cle- 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 <laughs> Cle- please don't laugh at me if you're on this podcast right now. Klievkov. George Klievkov. I can never say his name. Oh, don't man. waste his services, though. Please, like – because he's. I feel like he's going to be good for the conference. This
0: will be real exactly. interesting. Yeah, I know. They just need to make sure that their coaches <laughs> are doing things they need to do so they can actually coach.
1: Well, and keeping guys there and actually – going and finding other guys outside of the west coast too so there's that um that does it for this episode of press pass we just ended in a nasty way just (laughs) riffing on the pac 12 like i always do every week i do it every week until something changes it's gonna happen where can they go to find you on social media
0: you can find me at r.i.p underscore j.e.p
1: And you can find me at Kayla Anderson TV. We appreciate you all for subscribing, for tuning in every week. Hopefully we keep it fresh. We keep some, uh, I don't know, some new things here. We try to mix it up every week. And we try to be snarky and fun all at the same time. So there, (laughs) all into one. Appreciate it. Uh, We'll be back next week. Enjoy this weekend of college football.